welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast is Cox High School head coach Matt Itner. Itner's in his sixth season at the helm of the Cox baseball program. Itner is a 2008 graduate of Cox High School, where he was a three-year varsity letterman for the baseball team. Itner played baseball at the College of Arbor Mall, and Virginia Wesleyan. Intner spent time at Salem High School and JV head coach Cox. The 2021 Cox baseball team won the 5A state championship. Get your pad and penny ready because Coach Intner has a wealth of information and resources on program building. In this episode, we cover the Iron Fountain Challenge, player development, game tips, how to manage your staff, and how Cox baseball uses their military area to develop team building. Let's welcome Matt Intner to the podcast. I remember I was in Dallas. I think it was whenever the last time was you guys were there. Because that was 19, my last spring yeah. coaching. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, – it's definitely not as big as – I remember, like, just the Gaylord's not as big as Nashville. It didn't yeah. seem like Yeah, our, our smaller, biggest right? thing is making sure everybody gets food. So we'll be – this can be a better experience this year for the yeah. attendees because we'll have, we'll have more pop-up food areas, and they're going to bring food trucks in. That'll be in the. Outside. I remember that. I remember that from Dallas last year. Yeah, the last time that I, it, it was, um, I think they had like little vendor sites right outside the halls. I believe for like sandwiches and stuff like that. Yeah, but so, it, it needs to get better because yeah, know, we just got definitely have sure. to be strategic at yes. ABCA about food, <laughs> right? Like yes. that's what I tell people all the time. I'm just like, dude, you gotta be strategic. Like you gotta. I go to the grocery. I I pack yeah. my lunch. I don't have time. I'm running the youth stage, so I. Th- the, that's the first thing I do when I get off the flight is is go to the grocery store and get get lunch for the week because you just yeah. I don't have time. Yeah, you got to literally if you want a coffee, you got to be up at like five a.m. <laughs> ready to roll. Which is, I mean, say you got to do what you got to do. Cool. You know, cool. so all right, here with Matt Itner, head coach at Cox High School since two thousand eighteen, uh, Salem High School head coach from two thousand fifteen to seventeen, but Cox grad, oh eight, and then uh, Virginia Wesleyan grad. So Matt, thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on and, and talk the game a little bit. Yeah. What has the state of Virginia meant to you? 
I mean, it's all that I really know besides I, I did do a two-year stint in junior college in Northeast North Carolina, which is right across the border because I'm in the Tidewater area. Um, so it's it's kind of all that I, I really know. Um, obviously, we have a, a very rich tradition, you know, of baseball in the Tidewater area with just the number of players that we've been able to produce that have played at the um, – at the big league level. I'm fortunate to be very close friends with Chris Taylor who's one of my teammates at Cox when I played there. Um, so that's, I mean, been, go down the I've, list for people that don't know. I mean, it's Ryan Zimmerman, David, yeah, Wright, the Upton brothers, Michael Kadire. Um, and then, you know, yeah, I mean, you can just, like you said, Zim, you got Daniel Hudson, who's won a couple, I think he's won two world series now, one with the Nats and one with the Dodgers. And he was a PA grad. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, um, there was, there was definitely a lot going on there. Um, kind of in that late nineties, early two thousands, maybe into, you know, the 2010s, um, a lot of really good players and still producing a lot of really good players, but you know, like David Wright, like you said, the Uptons, you know, even guys like Scott Sizemore played in the big leagues with the Tigers for a while, you know, was a Hickory grad. So. Kurt um, Eisenberg played for us. He didn't make it to the big leagues, but he was a third rounder out of JMU. Yeah, I mean, uh, got up to Double player. A with the Blue Jays. You know, there it, yeah. it's just been a really good baseball area for a long time. Did you play with the Tidewater Mets? Uh, I did not. I did not. But I was. I was in that when I was growing up. It was basically like the Blasters and the Drillers were kind of the the two teams, you know. And so most of those guys you mentioned have roots with one of the two, um, and a lot of pride with one of the two usually. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Townie Townsend, who's, yeah. you know, longtime baseball guy in the area. Um, and he, you know, started the Blasters. And then you have Gary Wright and Madsen and started the Drillers. And so those were like your two kind of premier travel teams that started kind of when travel baseball started to take off. And obviously they had a lot of really good players. You know, That's the that, first um, time I saw fall baseball was when I got to JMU. And, and David, I yeah. saw David Wright that fall. He's a junior and he was using yeah. wood and everybody else was using aluminum. That, yeah, that and that was with Lee. That was with Lee, Lee Banks, Banks, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and Lee does a tremendous job. I mean, he's always got. He's always tends to have the best players in the area. All those guys you mentioned played for Lee Banks, yeah. so that's yeah, that, that's a stud. I a see him at the convention yeah. every year still. So he's he's a stud. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you know you were going to get into coaching when you got done playing? Yes. Yes, I told. Uh, I actually got to take over for. Um, Bill Conroy, who coached me at Cox High School. And I remember, you know, I went to him. I was a senior in high school and you know, he's like, what do you want to do and stuff? And I was like, hey, I, I want to coach and I want to I want to be the head coach here. So I kind of had that in like, you know, my horizon that I wanted to get into. Obviously, whenever my playing days were over, I was fortunate enough to play two years of junior college and two years of division three, which I think was very beneficial for my growth as a coach just seeing that level of baseball. But, you know, kind of always knew like, all right, when it's time to hang up the cleats, like, I'm just going to exchange them out for a pair of turfs and stay on the baseball field and, and kind of um, pursue that. You know, I was, I always enjoyed coming back after the college season and like helping out the high school program, like coaching a summer league team, you know, whatever it may be. Um, they would always just enticed me. And so, you know, so you manifested got, yeah. that job, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of one of those things where, you know, you, you see it first and you believe it and then it just kind of becomes, um, but I, I will say like this three years that I did at Salem high school, which is kind of on the other side of the city. Um, I wouldn't trade those three years for anything. Like that was some of the best, that was some of the best like growing moments, like in my um, coaching career that I've ever had, you know, I was 23 years old. I was thrusted into a head coaching. Well, I mean, I, I chose to go into the head coaching position. Um, 
And, you know, I didn't know anybody down there. I had to really like talk about, you know, FIO, figure it out. You know, that was, and I feel like those three years were huge for when I was able to come back and get this opportunity. I was, I was, I was prepared. Um, I would say accelerated my growth. You know, I mean, I probably, I was a JV coach at Cox. I could have probably stayed there and stayed comfortable. Um, but I kind of took that challenge and, um, it definitely was a challenge, but I, I wouldn't change, change it for the world. I met some great people, still have some great relationships with all those players. I'm just super fortunate for given that opportunity. Do you think you need to start at the JV level first? You know, it's one of those things that it's, I don't think it, I don't think it hurts. I mean, I, I go back to like, at some point, everybody in their career doesn't have experience, right? Like, and I, and I think it's hard for me to say like, this is the path that you, you know, should take. Um, that one year was good for me. Um, but I'm also grateful that I was able to go and it, it gave me a little bit, I got a little bit more of a reality check when I was able to go coach at the varsity level. Um, well, yeah, no, nobody gets to start at their dream job. I, I just yeah. don't think that, and, and maybe I'm wrong on that. I just don't think anybody gets to start at their dream, nor should you. I don't think you're equipped to handle it if you get thrown right into the job that you're supposed to be in. Yeah, and it would definitely just take you, like, again, I, I see the Salem experience for me where it was just like it allowed, accelerated my growth, right? Like, I, I was going to grow. It's just it, it, it kind of allowed that process to happen for me um, quicker. And with that, there was definitely some some challenging moments with it. Um, but those challenging moments are going to come regardless. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when, you know. So I was just fortunate now looking back that I had that opportunity as a young coach. What were some things that happened that maybe, not that you weren't prepared for, or that you maybe didn't realize were going to happen? You know, just obviously, I mean, you probably hear this from a lot of head coaches, right? It's just like all of a sudden, you know, when you're an assistant, you're just like your main job is to go out there and coach baseball right and it's probably like 90 percent coaching and 10 percent like okay i'm gonna help the head man out with just some administrative stuff you know i'm gonna you know do some film or, or whatever you know like some admin stuff on the side or, or help with some gear and then all of a sudden when you're the head guy that flips right it's like 90 percent admin it's 10 percent coaching you know and or you know something around those lines it's what it feels like at least um so that was just like one of the biggest ones right there i think being as a young, at 23 years old, right? Like I had a guard up um, because of how young I was and trying to um, navigate like with parents and even players, right? Like I'm within within four or five well, years. That's of high tough there. Senior. You're 23 years old. You're dealing with, you know, older parents. You yeah, know, exactly. All your parents are going to be older than you. Exactly. And so I think, you know, naturally, like I you know, again, 23, I'm 33 now. I, I There's a level of maturity that I've, I've been able to uh, get to, but I didn't have that there. Um, and I had to work through kind of, you know, I was, I was always so, I, I said, I, I had my guard up a lot where, and I, I think that's probably natural, right? I, I don't know if it was going to be any different, but I, I've learned over time to um, try to, and I, I, I kind of go back to what Butch says is like, you know, you know, we're on the same team, you know, right. And trying to really kind of foster that environment and, you know, something that I struggled with early on. Right. And, and I don't know if there was a way around that or not, you know, it's just reflecting back on it. It's something that I think about now where it's like, you know, I probably could have gone about some things a little differently, obviously. What, um, what would you have changed if you could go back and do it again? 
I probably would have had some more like open dialogue with our parents, right? And not, um, not. I think I was more of I tried to spin it as is like I don't, I don't maybe like need your help or I got this type of deal right. Where realistically, maybe it was coming from more of a place of, um. Again, I'm 23 and I'm, I'm a little, uh, I have. I don't think anybody wants to ask for yeah. help at that point. Yeah. Like, a 23 year old's not going to ask for help. No chance. And, and it's what you learn, you know, at the end of the day now, you know, it's interesting, you know, I, I do my parent meetings now and we talk a lot about, again, it's just like for, for this to, for us to create, like for us to create the best experience for our players. Right. And that's what coaches want to do. That's what parents want to do. Right. That's our ultimate goal. It's, we, we've got to be on the same page. Like there's got to be a working relationship and there's going to be some things that are not appropriate to talk about. Right. And that's perfectly fine. But at the end of the day, I always go back to this is if I'm spending the amount of time that I do with their sons and I'm not willing to have just like an adult conversation with them, like, what does that say? Like that, that to me is a little bit of a red flag. Right. So like, again, if I'm, if your son's with me for three to four hours a day, five, six days a week, and we can't even have an adult conversation about something, maybe, you know, whatever, it could be fundraising, could be life, could be whatever. Does that make sense? And that, and then those are the growth kind of areas that I've, I feel like I've made some progress in since I was 23 to 33. Yeah. When is the first communication you have with parents? Oh, right away. I mean, we'll bring in, so we started this last year, which was, I thought was, was great. Um, we bring in all our eighth graders and their parents and we bring them to a Saturday practice so that I'm watch practice. And then we meet with them in our locker room. Um, and, you know, I think, like I said, I tell the parents and the players, this there's people sitting in that room and they're like salivating and they're excited. And there's people sitting in that room being like, I don't know if this is for me and that's fine. Right. I mean, that's perfect. Figure it out earlier. Right. But I think it's, it was, it was, it was, it's a great thing that we've done um, that it's allowed. And like I said, we invite the players and the parents, like come sit in the stands, watch an hour of practice. Then we're going to go back and we're going to meet. We have our guys intermingle with them, talk to them. And so like parents can ask our players questions, but I think when they can see it, it becomes real. Um, It's an official visit basically. Yeah. And it's been, it was, it was good. And we're going to do it again this year, but you know, we try to, we have a pretty extensive um, camp, um, structure that we'd use, you know, that we try to really kind of get our tentacles down there and, and get our, get kids excited to come play for us, you know? And I think that's, I think there's a lot of benefits to that. Like, obviously there's the physical skill benefit, right. Of like, we want to get these kids, we want to work with them. We want them to know our system. We want them to know what our values are, but also it's like, you know, if that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grader, like if he has a dream of playing for us, right? Like there's probably a good chance that his decision-making process, like in those grades is going to be like, it's going to be better, right? Like when you have a goal, you know, you're, you're going to tend to, to act the right way and behave the right way. So we hope that there's that benefit of it as well. It's a Catholic school model basically is what it is kind of, cause that's, that's what I grew up with was, you knew you were going to go to Memorial High School, so you went to their games, you know, in elementary school, grade school. Like you, you went to their games, and so you just got used to kind of seeing it. And the more that they can watch, they're going to be better players for it. The more games they can watch too, and Absolutely. practice. Practice is a big Absolutely. piece, which most people don't go watch. Just like most high school guys, don't go watch college practice. Yeah. And, and if ultimately you want to get to that level, you need to go see it. Or a college guy, go watch a, a pro workout. 
you know, just, just so you know what it looks like. And, and that way you can kind of envision yourself seeing yourself be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think, you know, you make some, you make some really good points there of just like we, and we talked to our guys about this a lot. It's just like, we want to make sure like, and I'm kind of going a little off tangent here, but we'll, I think it's, I think it's good is we talk a lot about our guys. Like when your program is at a, at a, is operating at a high clip, right. It's really not about the guys that are there in those four years, right. It's about inspiring the guys that are going to be there. And it's about upholding the tradition of the guys that have left. And we talked to our parents too, about this when they're in our program, it's just like, you know, we want to create a culture where like when their kid leaves, it's not like I'm done. Right. It's like, I recognize like, you're probably not going to be at all the games like you were before, but you're going to have an interest, right? Like you're going to still be involved. Like you're going to have pride. You're going to still want to come out for games. You're going to take part in our golf tournament or, or whatever it may be. And that's something that we really try to try to generate. But we talk to our players a lot about that too. It's just like, you know, you're inspiring the next generation of Cox baseball players. You know, and there was somebody that you were sitting on the other side of that fence at one point like this and looking through and seeing a guy in a jersey. And that's what you wanted to be. And now you're here living it. Right. And it's like it's your job now to pass that jersey down and really just trying to create that that mindset and that culture is important. And, and you know, and, and keeping it in front of our guys. Right. Like they're 14, to 18 years old. Um, and as we know, like there's a lot of things that can distract our kids now. Right. But like at the end of the day, when they can like see what they have in front of them, like and they have those types of aspirations. Right. And they know that they're they going to be positively affecting like a younger kid. Like I think their decision making process is going to be better in the classroom, on the field, in the community. Right. And ultimately, that's what we want to create. Yeah, I would tell our seniors that I'm like, I, I know you, you don't really look at it this way. But as a coach, you do trying to build a program, you can either positively or negatively affect eight years from now because of how you handle the freshmen in the program. Absolutely. If you handle them right, and treat them right, they're going to treat that next group when they're seniors, they're going to treat the freshmen right. So you, you have a chance to positively or negatively affect this next eight years, even though you don't think about it that way. Yeah, I was we were in our leadership council the other day and we were actually having this discussion. It was on our chapter that we were in. And, you know, I said, I said, the 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 worst thing that I could hear is freshmen go get that. Yes. Like, I, I mean, absolutely. Like I, I could I could I used to check guys on I, it. I would check I can he, I could I could see a guy go over four with four punches and I'm I'm going to be OK with that. Like I, I, but I hear that like I'm going to go through the roof. You know, like, I mean, I don't know, that just, that gets, that gets my, that gets my blood pressure up, you know, cause that's at the end of the day, like that's just the sign of a, of a, of a failing culture at the end of the day. That's who what it who is. gets to be on your leadership council? So we started it this year is actually through kind of some work that um, I was able to do with uh, Dr. Dr. Gaina Overway, how we met. Um, and, you know, we were just chatting up and, you know, I used to just meet with just like my seniors and I started to realize like, not really the most efficient way because at the end of the day, like I'm having to reteach a lot of principles. I'm not scaling the leadership throughout my program. So we kept all of our seniors on it, which we have five seniors this year. And then in our fall evaluation process um, with, we give our guys a fall eval on a Google form. And I just put like name two players in the junior class that have leadership potential sophomore. They didn't know that was going to be for that. And then we just took that information and we took the top two basically vote getters and they got put on it. And we're working through Jeff Jansen's um, team leadership, that team captain leadership manual. 
uh, which has been really good. It's, you know, we've been doing basically a chapter a week and it's a workbook and guys have been able, you know, they, they have to basically read and write. And, and then we meet um, weekly for about 40 minutes and go through some exercises, talk about some stuff. So uh, Will you really continue enjoyed it. that you're going to do that the entire year, the Jansen booklet. Yeah, like we started it in the beginning of January, and we probably will be through it by the end of this month. You know, I, I would, it's our first year doing it, so we've kind of, we're learning our pacing, you know. Um, I, I would probably next year try to maybe start in December and be finishing up a little bit more towards the March timeframe, and then maybe weekly check-ins as like more of like a leadership council meeting. They use, they have like a weekly um, a manual too that you can use for that, basically like a little working document. Which I think would be beneficial to maybe get through all of the information prior to us playing games. But again, it's our first time doing it. So we're kind of, we're learning our pacing. Yeah. I like to give them stuff. So they had stuff to go home with Christmas break wise. Yeah. You know, outside of baseball stuff, some of the leadership stuff, I, I like for them to take it home with them. So, so they at least had some things to do over Christmas break rather than just lay around. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, it's know, been I, huge. I, yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely, um, I foresee it continuing in our program for sure. How are you balancing what's best for the player and what's best for the program? You know, that's always, that's always, I think, I think time of year, right. Your calendar sometimes dictates that. Right. And we talk a lot about that, about, you know, like where we're at in our calendar year and what our, our focuses are. And I think just communicating with our players is huge. Right. And it, it really drives back to like, we made a, we created a mission statement for our program and it's player development driven with championship results. And like, we challenge our coaching staff with that. And it's it, the reasoning, right. Is, is like, it's not championship results, player development driven, it's player development driven with championship results. And our thought there is obviously if we're able to develop our players right to their full potential, like the championships will come. Um, and just keeping keeping that in the forefront of our thinking. I mean, obviously, you know, when we start getting into the spring season, that becomes that's a little bit more of a challenge, right? Because we have to just talk to our guys about, um, you know, we're in the process now of building a team, right? Like that's our ultimate goal. Where when we're in hitting groups in January, right? Like we can think a little bit more individualized. We can think a little bit more for that guy. Um, specifically on what he needs to do to work on his swing or whatever it may be where now that sh that focus shifts we don't want to completely just say we're not developing our guys in the spring but i think our calendar year determines like where our focus is as a program in that moment yeah and you've talked about training mode and compete mode and i was going to ask you when you were at salem because you do the iron falcon challenge were you doing something similar to that at salem yeah, we did like the we did the Iron Sun Devil challenge, and I kind of got that idea originally from um, Chris Taylor, who was at UVA, and they did the Iron Iron Cavalier, right? And then it was just kind of built upon itself. It's something our guys really enjoy, and like I said, it it gets us a little bit more in that compete mode prior to us like strapping up and going against you know the other competition because. And I, Chris Benwood, who's an old Dominion coach, kind of said that to me, and I stole it from from him. Is you know, like this day and age of player, man, they know how to train. Like they are, they are. I will give them credit. They, you know, they have so much information. They're smart. Like they, they, they know it. They see it. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. And like, kudos to them. Um, but there's still a, a competitive mode to to this. We're still playing a sport. There's still a scoreboard. There's still strategy involved. Right. And we have to I think that's something that 
we try to really get through to our players. Um, and that's why we use game goals. That's why we really like work on the process of how do we win a baseball game? Um, what are your game goals? So we took them from um, Todd Gilliam's book, High Score in Baseball. It totally changed the way I, I thought about coaching. Um, it was actually after 2000, my first year at Cox in 2018. Um, I just felt myself being like, we got to have quality at bats, right? Like we got to throw more strikes. Like just these very like vague thrown out things that we do as a coach, right? And it's just like, wasn't working. Like just wasn't. And we weren't very good. And it was like, man, I need to... We, we got to revamp this. And I remember listening to a podcast. I think it was an ABCA podcast with, uh, with Gilliams, right? I Williams. believe. Yeah. And he, and again, I was like, all right. So I ordered the book the next day. I read it. I like annotated. The He's whole one of thing. the best offensive minds we have in the game. And so. like, I gave it to our whole staff. I was like, we're going to read, you're going to read this book and we're going to do this. We're going to live by it. And we're going to do it. And like, I still like to this day, like, Look, we have his his team grade card like that's every single time. Like so we basically have what we've done, we've done five offensive goals. And for us, what that is is like one big inning, we want to have at least seven or more freebies. So a freebie an inning. We want to score five or more runs. And we want to have a QAB above 50%. And then we've added our fifth one is a one-to-one based on ball. Ba- based on ball slash HBP to K ratio. So those are our five right there. And then defensively, we want to deny the beginning. We want to win the freebie war. We want to hold them to three or less runs. Um, we want to be under 120 total pitches, and we want to have an F3P, which is first three pitches either in play, 02 or 1-2 at 66% or greater. And we know if we hit four out of five on both of those, like we have, you know, four or five years of data now, if we hit four out of five, like it's like a 99% chance that we're going to win. I like how East Carolina uses the dry race board in their dugout too. And we do the same thing we have. We put up each inning, we put number of pitches, like in the most simplest way, like, and I tell our guys, this is like our, our philosophy, our strategy, right. Is 20 pitches, right? Like in the most simple way, like offensively, if we get over 20 pitches in an inning, we've got a really good chance to score. And defensively, if we're off the field in less than 20 pitches, it's really tough to score. And so if we just live by that kind of like our 20, like you'll, if you came around guys, you just hear guys talk, you just hear 20 pitches coming out of the dugout in some capacity. And that's, that's just, that's our strategy. And I, again, I kind of took some stuff from, you know, listening to Chuck Box and being able to talk to him a little bit. It's just like, I feel like that's where like in baseball, it's weird. You know, it's, there's not like in football, right? Like you have like, you really have like strategy basketball. You really have strategy. I think sometimes in baseball, we miss that sometimes, right? Like it just becomes kind of like, all right, we're going to go out and play and hope that we win. And we try it's to the take game that within the like, game, you know, you, you know, yeah. that, and that makes it more fun too. like playing the game within the game and figuring that piece out. And as players, when they start to figure those pieces out, makes it much easier as on you as a coach too, because now, you know, they're getting it. Absolutely. And it makes it more process driven. I mean, we put up basically at the top in our locker room, we have the team grade card, we have our QAB. Um, and we also track their base on ball to K. And then we have their our F3P rankings, and they're updated every single game and they're put up there. And like I've told our guys, I said, I've never had a guy who's been like, who's won the QAB and hit 250. Like the guy that won the QAB, he's hit like 450. He's all state guy, usually, you know, right. It always matches the guy who's the highest F3P, right. Those are the most strikes. Guess what? Like he usually has the most wins and 
He's usually an all-conference guy or an all-region guy, right? It's it's never it's never the other way around. I've never seen it, and maybe one of these days I will. But until then, like I tell him, like if you just buy into that process, like you'll look up at the end of the year and you'll be like, holy cow, like I hit for a great average. But yeah, like the, we never the one for about one it. for me was a big one. I you knew that team was good if you looked at the stat line and they had one K for one walk hit by pitch, you knew their offense was good. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it a lot, especially when we're going against power arms, right? It's just like if we can keep like if you start double digiting K's, like you've made you can make a mediocre defense look really good. Because at that point, if you if you K ten times, that means eleven balls in play. And let's just say six of them are weak fly balls, and like you might have three pressure ground balls. You know, at the at the high school level, like we're not fielding at a nine eighty clip, right? Like we all know what wins is ball and play. And you know, it really at every level it does. It's every just, level. Yeah, you know, I mean, even you watch playoff baseball, right? It's just like the balls start coming in play and stuff like that, like stuff starts happening. You know, you punch and the game becomes easier. Mike Kern at at Ohlone spoke at the St. Mary's Barnstormers. His talk will come out here later, but he's tracked 15 pitches per inning. So that's one of their goals at the junior college levels, 15 pitches, because it's great because – He's again, he's got years of data. He said if they're 15 or under, their team ERA is like a one, and anything over 15, their ERA is like an 11. And that's for their opponents that they play too. So, like, that's their their inning goal is 15 pitches or less. And, and it's out. interesting, you know, like when we talk, like in our team meetings, we started to do like we always do a, a post, like, we, we don't talk after games, we talk the next day, like, because it's just take the emotional piece out of it. We win, we lose, right? It's at the end of the day, it'll, it, you don't have the mental clarity to really like assess what happened. So we do what we call a post op, like every one of our games. After is called action operation. review. Yeah. So we do a pre op the day before we do a post op the day after. And we kind of take that because we're, you know, Virginia beach, we have a big seal community. We've kind of taken some of those, you know, mantras from them. We've had some people talk to us about that. So we've, we've taken that, but it like this year in our post op, but we've, what we have added is is something that we call um, a guy that's worked with our program. His name is Bob Groves. Um, we call it the BG10. And after our, we just kind of we circle up for ten minutes and we talk, you know. Um, and we there's different. I'll put different norms in, like, hey, you can only talk twice today, or hey, we're going around and you have thirty seconds to say what you commit to tomorrow or what you could have been better at, whatever it may be. Or hey, why you love playing with this guy to the left of you? Just something to get our guys communicating with each other. But one of the big things that I will, I'll kind of circle back to is, you know, just the amount like our with our pitchers, like when our guys are in the zone and they're working fast and they're just they're like you said, like they're under 15 pitches, like our guys get so excited about that. Like our defenders, like they'll start piping up being like, man, I'm loving playing behind you guys. Right. I'm loving playing behind. Like it's like, dude, we're like we go out and then we're back in the dugout ready to hit, you know, and it's like we could hit four doubles in a row and nobody talks about that. But man, if a pitcher works a 10 pitch inning, it's like, those guys are like, they're loving it. Right. And it is, it's such a mental piece. Right. And we talk about, we've had this discussion the other day. It's interesting. I'm trying to tie their sports in. It's like, it's like time of possession, right? Like the team that has time of possession usually wins like at some point. And I kind of see it as time of possession, right. It's just like, if we can get off the field as quickly as possible, you have to stay on the field for 20 minutes while we're offensively. At some point, you're probably mentally going to break. Yes. And so just trying to like, you know, connect those dots with our guys, you know, and then kind of see that strategy piece, you know, it's just like, yeah, like 
But if we, at some point, it might not be in the third inning, the fourth, but fifth or sixth, like if we've kept you out there, like that water's building against that dam, it's going to break at some point. And having our guys believe that and staying in the fight, I think is huge. And backing up to the Iron Falcon challenge, you know, have the events changed? Have they been the same here for a while? Have you tweaked it at all? Yeah, I mean, we always have some, um, our strength and conditioning guy is really good. And he like will always be looking for stuff and kind of putting stuff. But I like adding in like, um, you know, I've kind of like, you know, when you first did it, it's like all physical, like, oh, we're just going to, you know, like beat. But, you know, I don't know, more you're in the game, right? It's your ability to like process information. It's your ability to like make decisions, right? Like you see your best players do, like, can they visually take in what's happening and can they make decisions? Those are your best base runners, right? Like that's why you're, you know, you can have a six, eight guy, but he runs the bags like a seven, five, or you could have a seven, five guy that runs the bags like a six, eight. It's like his ability to take in information and react in the moment is huge. Um, so I, I've kind of gone, there's some other things that, you know, we've done with, you know, just more of kind of like the, maybe the brain piece of it, or like some puzzles or something like that, you know, just concentration some, grids. Some, yeah. Concentration grids, right. And it's something different. Um, I still think the physical piece is huge because like the guy's, there's no greater test of kind of the mental stamina is when you physically start getting tired. Right. And it'll say fatigue makes cowards of us all. And that's kind of like our mantra during the iron Falcon is like, it just, it just makes like, that's where, what we're trying to kind of make guys aware of. I think it's just the awareness piece we're trying to build. Right. It's just like, why did you fail in that moment? Right. Like really think about that and reflect and like, was it something that you can, change or adjust moving forward so i think it's a way to push kids you know you say you can't push kids anymore i think it's a way to push kids and and allow them to have fun you know i I think that's the key piece to all of that too is they figure out that competing pushing through accomplishing things those are fun like like it creates good energy when when guys see okay this was challenging but i worked through it and i pushed through it it just creates a great mentality and you really get to see as a coach, right? It's like who kind of loves the moment, you know, right? Like, and I mean, I want to know that before the moment happens, right? <laughs> I, I'm trying, you know, a lot of it's just gaining information, right? It's just like, I mean, you're just always taking in information like, hey, man, that dude, like, for whatever reason, like, his team always wins, right? You know, you, you and then you're like, and there's other guys where you're like, team, he's not being able to get over the hump. What is it? You know, like. So it's all about just taking in information and, and being able to kind of use it as we move forward into the spring by saying like, hey, man, this guy has kind of got like that DNA factor that, you know, we're that as a coach, you're like, I like that, you know. You see it with the NFL Combine all the time. You know, guys Absolutely. have great metrics, but then you look like they had a losing record in college. It's like, OK, I, the guy doesn't know how to win. He might test yeah. well, but he doesn't know how to win. I know. And there's something like it's still in, in team sports, right? There's just that there's that X factor, there's that DNA, there's that championship DNA. There's that you can't put your finger on it, but you're just like, there's just something different with the guy, you know? Um, and you know, I, I do say is this is like I do think that it's a if a guy is aware enough, it is a learnable trait. I think you can I think you can, can become that, right? But the key is awareness. Like, I think that's the kicker. And it's very tough. I mean, it's tough to have awareness as an adult, especially as a 14 to 18-year-old kid, right, is to have awareness and being like, walking out of there being like, why am I not winning, right? 
Like that's a tough question to ask. It's a very tough question to ask yourself. But if you're willing to do it, I think you can start making, like you can start moving the needle in that direction. Just takes a special individual to really ask that question. It's tough. And because college teams are doing some sort of Iron Falcon challenge, you're prepping your guys to get ready for college also. Yeah. And like we talk to our guys, you know, that are committed and stuff like that or plan to play college baseball. It's just like, look, man, like everybody that go, that shows up there is going to have skill. Everybody's going to be good. Everybody, they're there for the same reason. Then it becomes is like, who can help me win? You know, because the reality is, is it's like, I mean, and you know this better than anybody is like, you know, those guys like are, that's, that is, that is their livelihood, you know? And like, at the end of the day, like they want to put guys on the field that they're like, I trust that guy. And I know he's going to go put everything he has in the winning ball game for us. Yeah. There's nothing better than that as a coach where, you know, you can trust a kid and he's come from a winning program. Like they, they just innately know how to win. Absolutely. You know, weight room's a big piece of that too. So how are you laying out your weight room work? Cause I like following it on, on Twitter and watching what you guys are doing in the weight room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely grown over time. So we've had, you know, actually one of my best friends is Chase Kariaku, who's phenomenal, like up and coming um, strength and conditioning guy. And he, we were together, we played at Cox. He went on and played at Norfolk state, um, got into the um, kinesiology kind of piece he was with me at Salem um, as an assistant, and that's where we kind of really started. Like, I mean, he became a PE teacher there. We created weight weight training classes for our baseball guys. Like, we really kind of grew it there, and that was a huge piece, right? It's just like, hey, if we want to compete here, like we've got to, we've got to, you know, we got to start bridging the gap physicality wise. So Chase has been with me um, from the get go. Now he actually opened his own facility, which is called beach fitness performance with his partner, Kyle Robertson, who was another former baseball player in the area. They run a great place. So our guys are there 360. Our guys are connected with them 365. So, um, we do something a little bit different, you know, in, in the spring, probably than most programs, but so we play normally on Tuesday and Thursdays. And Fridays over since 2019, we've just committed to like Friday for us is we do leadership council. We do like a post our Thursday post-op and our guys lift. And that's it. Like we, I give that day to JV on the field. We do a great, we do a big Saturday practice where we get, but it's really been kind of for us, like we use it as kind of, we talk about it as being kind of like a cleansing, right? It's a cleansing of the week, like two and oh, oh and two, one and two, one and one, whatever it may be. It's just like, we're going to go in there and we're going to put some sweat equity into it. And it's kind of like our reset, right? And it's just like when Saturday hits, it's like, we're preparing for our next opponent. We're preparing for the week. Um, but we commit to that during the spring. Like that's not, that's a non, it's not like, oh man, like we struggled on Thursday. We're going to cut the weight room out and go practice. Like, no, that doesn't happen. Like, um, and then this year as well, we're fortunate enough, we have, we built like an auxiliary kind of weight room down at our, at our facility. Um, Cause our facility sits about a quarter mile away from the school. And so we have basically a garage gym in there that has like four or five road racks, everything that we need. So we used to train heroic app through their beach fitness performance. So they program a garage session for us once a week. So our guys usually on Wednesday, will hit that. They'll hit their main lift on Friday. So you know, it's, it's something in season that, you know, we just commit to it's, it's who we are. It's, it's, I think what's put our program, you know, physicality wise, like. Have you found you your injuries most... have gone down too? 
Yes, I, I would say so. I mean, we've, you know, there's some, there's obviously some things that are kind of out of our control, but I, I feel like for the most part, you know, we stay, we stay pretty healthy. Um, and we just, just because we commit to it, you know, and like I said, it's, it's a non-negotiable. It's not, it's not something where it's like, oh, if it fits this week, we're going to get it in. It's like, no, like it's in and then we'll fit everything else around it. I saw you guys yeah. are using cleans too. Yeah. And like our guys, you know, when and, does that you know, process start? I know it's a really technical lift and, and, but our, our college guys love to clean. Like, I don't care what, yeah. anybody, you know, I know there's a lot of arguments against it. Our guys yeah. really liked to clean. They did. They loved it. Yeah. And you know, most of our guys that are going to go play right at the collegiate level, like when they get with their SNC coach, they're going to have to clean. So the good thing is, is, is coach carry is Chase and, and Kyle are both like us. Um, they're certified in the weightlifting in the realm. But I'll tell you what is, you know, we have what we call, we, we have a, basically our, um, our middle school kids, we have what we call Falcon prep, um, which basically is fifth through eighth graders. And we've been able to create um, weight training sessions at their facility three times a week that kids can sign up for. And, you know, again, it's just about like those kids, like by the time they get to us in ninth grade, like they've had two or three years underneath their belt, you know, I mean, their front squat, front squat form is, is dialed in like, you know, guys, they, they know how to do this stuff. And the guys that don't like, you know, we obviously use the proper progressions and make sure that we're doing it in the most safe way possible. Um, but it's something that we've used in our program and that we, you know, and look, there's some guys that like the other day when we were doing it, like that, let's say like we have a guy that like his elbow is a little tight right? It's just like, he's doing high pulls, you know, like, we're not going to sit there and just be like, you have to do cleans, you know, it's like, we're not going to do that. But we're just going to make sure that we, you know, we set it up for, for what the guys need and where their bodies are at. You know, we have some guys that struggle with getting the elbow flexibility, right? Um, they might be more of like safety squat bar guys, right? Like, so again, we just use, use the tools, be smart. At the end of the day, like what I love about Chase and Kyle is just like, they love the weight room, but they also understand, like they tell our guys all the time, they're like, look, we're not, we're not taking the Olympic platform out to home plate and like, you're not going to clean. And that's going to determine if you get a double or a triple. Right. So like everything that we do in here is very important, but also recognize that like, it's just to make you the best baseball player possible. And ultimately your performance on the field is what matters the most. You know, being in a military area, have you always used somebody in that area for, for team building stuff and leadership stuff? Been fortunate enough to have some really good, to have some actually some parents that like were, um, that were, you know, involved with the military. Um, there's actually a player right now that's at uh, University of Virginia, his name's Ethan Anderson, who was um, on our 2021 team. And, and his father, J.R. Anderson, um, was actually he led two different steel teams was, you know, and he, um, I'll tell you what he, he, you know, I used to pick his brain on, on just like, you know, how to build team. And that's kind of how we came about with our operations. And, um, you know, he kind of talked through about, and you know, it's, it's really just what any good team does, right. Is like, you know, basically you train and then you go out and you do an operation and you come back and review. And ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to, you know, achieve mission success down the line. You know, that's kind of how we see it is, is each game is an operation right to our ultimate goal, which is to try to, you know, achieve mission success. So we try to take those principles. I think the guys, I think whenever you can kind of tie it into a, um, 
a theme, something bigger, right? Like guys gravitate, like everybody loves a good story, right? It's the power of storytelling or, or connecting to something bigger than yourself. Um, so we always are big on themes. Like this year, our theme is 20 plus six and it's in the shape of a diamond. You know, we have 20 regular season games and we have six, there's a six game road to win a state championship. And we talk about, you know, what the importance of the diamond is, you know, diamonds are formed under pressure, right? And for us to be able to achieve that, like we have to recognize that we're going to be put in pressure situations and we have to embrace those, you know, pressure is a, a privilege and we've got to embrace that. So each year we've done a different uh, theme. We have patches for our bag, um, our bags that we wear. Um, so that's, it's a long history of that. Um, but it's kind of neat because I'll still get texts from guys like, you know, in 2019, it was mission 23. So like, you know, I'll get guys, they'll be like, you know, it, they'll, they'll send me a text like M23, you know, or, or whatever. So yeah, that's what the guys remember, right? Like that's what that tells me is at the end of the day, that's what they remember. So it's just an important part of our culture in our program, you know? We use dog tags at Western Illinois. We're the Leathernecks. It's the only non-military school that has a military mascot. It's a Marine mascot, but we we would have themes and just give them dog tags. It's a real cheap way for them to have stuff. They, the guys love the dog tags. They connect with it, man. I mean, whenever you can connect with a theme that's kind of bigger than the game, I just feel like, you know, you have that ability to take your team to a little bit of a higher level, a different level right? Playing for something a little bit bigger than themselves. When did you know that you're going to play in the PBR and uh, the Commonwealth Classic? Uh, I think Jason Burton called me probably last summer and let me know. We actually just went up there and played yesterday and it was, um, we played a very good Benedictine team and they put, they played a good game. We lost seven one. Um, and they're uh, Sean Ryan uh, does a phenomenal job and they had a, they had a really good game. You know, they, they pitched it well, they had some timely hits um, but it was really cool um, to really start to see. I mean, the one thing the VBCA has done is it's really started to bring the public and the private schools um, in our state together. And um, I think this is just like the kind of the foundation of where we'll probably be able to go um, as a state um, when we get everybody on the same page. Because there's some things that the public school side does a really, really good job of, right? There's some things that the private school side does a really, really good job of. And I think as the more that we can intermix those, right, and become more of a cohesive unit, I think both games will get better. Because, um, you know, they were, we were kind of operating in silos, to be honest, you know, and, and really at that point, like, if we can come together as one, we're going to achieve a lot, you know, ultimately our players, right, the experience they get is going to be much better, so. Anything you've changed over the years as far as running team offense or team defense? Oh yeah. I feel like I'm, we're always changing something. You know, I think the one thing I've learned is like your personnel is going to determine, like we want to, we have our principles, right. But we can't, we can't, we can't get stuck on like, we have to be able to adapt based off the personnel that we have, right. Like our offense last year is built is a lot different than how our offense is built this year. So there's some things that like I will, probably do I'm doing a little bit differently like with our offense based off the personnel that we have defensively um I don't know if that's as much right I mean I'm just a firm believer in that like like throwing strikes is the name of the game and I think in high school baseball especially is infield defense is huge um because again like you're playing on the same dimensions that big leaguers are 
right? Like it's, if you really think about it that way, you're playing, the, the field's the same, but you don't have a 35 year old full grown man. Not saying that outfield defense isn't important because it is, but the number of doubles and home runs obviously is nowhere near that it is in the college game or the pro game. So you're just having a lot more infield action. So I think just prioritizing, making sure, like if we throw strikes and we have a really solid infield defense, like we're going to be very, very good. Um, so I think just kind of recognizing that like over time, um, we have a really, a, one of our assistants, uh, TJ Bartike, is he runs our infield and he, um, He's done a phenomenal job with our guys. I mean, he's um, he does he just does a great job, and you know those those guys are playing at a high level. We have really we have a really really good infield defense this year, um, and those guys been and you know when you do that, like it's all a cycle, right? Like if our pitchers know that they can be in the zone and that we're going to make routine plays, they're going to continue to be in the zone. The second that we start booting baseballs, the second they start they're going to start nibbling, they start getting more in two o three one counts, and they start guys start hitting the ball harder. We start walking guys, you know, and I, I always, they, the guys probably they're like a nauseum because I'm always quoting high score in baseball. I'm like, Hey, what are, what are the chances of three consecutive hits in this game? Yeah, you know, it's 27 to one. It's one time in the nine inning game that you're going to go hit, hit, hit. You know, that's not how somebody scores three runs in an inning off you. Usually what happens is you go walk HBP air double or whatever, well, you know, pitch. Yeah, you know, and that's how it happens, you know. So, again, it's just like, let them hit it. You know, our pitching coach says it all the time. I mean, I don't let him say it around our hitters, but he's just like, hit it around there, <laughs> let them hit it. <laughs> I'm like, just make sure you're saying that to the pitchers and the guys that aren't hitting. And so we, we – Are you guys calling pitches? Yeah, our pitching coach does call pitches. But I will say that, um, you know, it's interesting that, you know, as those guys have um, – one, like as, as they kind of move through our system, like they start to kind of know what we're doing and how we're calling. So they kind of take some ownership there. Um, and then, you know, also our pitching, our pitching coach, I've noticed over the past couple of years, you know, he's just, he's allowed them in moments, right. To like own pitches, you know, it's just like in, in like, Hey, like what you want to do in this moment, like go do it, go believe in it, you know? Um, and I think that's, that's been cool to see with our guys, you know, it's just like, Hey man, it's like we support flow you when they're taking ownership yeah. of it. Way better. Yeah, flow. exactly. Are you are you running offense from third base? No, I'm in the dugout. So um, TJ uh, Bartike does our third base. I moved to the dugout. Um, I think in 2019, actually. Yeah. Um, and what was that switch we, for you moving to the dugout? Uh, just being able to manage the game. And, you I know, obviously, and I super, loved coaching super, third base. I loved it, but just felt like I, I just had to wasn't, go into the dugout. Yeah. And, you know, one, like, super fortunate that we have the number of coaches that we do and the qualified coaches we do. Like, that's not everywhere. Like, those guys, like, we're, we have eight guys on staff other than me, you know, through our JV program and our varsity program. And you have the qualified guys to do it first and foremost. That's number one thing. But the one thing I found was just like when I was, when I was at third, right, like, like, you know, I'm thinking about, like, who am I going to get up in an inning and a half, right? And I'm trying to then, you know, give a call and, you know, I'm split there and I'm not at my best. And I'm able to kind of obviously step back and manage the game more and have conversations with multiple assistant coaches. It's tough when you're in a third base box and you're trying to talk to your pitching coach that's all the way in the first base dugout about who you want to get up and go down there. 
Um, so yeah, that's where I felt like it was better too, was, was allowing your bullpen guys to be more prepared on when they were coming into. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it goes back to this, right. It's just like empowering your coaches, right? Like we talk about empowering our players all the time. Let's empower our coaches, right? At the end of the day, like these guys are out here, like we know in the high school game is like, they ain't doing it for the salary and benefits they're getting right. Like, so again, I think when you empower people and you give them the opportunity to do you know, to take on roles like that, like their level of coaching increases, their level of care increase increases. And I think there's just some positive effect in your program overall. I saw one of your catching videos. It looked like you were, you had some guys working one knee down, you had guys working traditional yeah. kind of doing both. How are you handling kind of letting your catchers maybe figure out what's best for them? Yeah. So Tyler Rasmussen does all of our catching and he's been, um, you know, Raz is a phenomenal guy. I mean, I, I love to just give him a shout out like this, this guy, like he, um, he's a, he's a police officer. He works, he works the night shift and literally gets off at like, I get up early and I'll text him. And then, you know, he goes dark around seven or 8am and he sleeps and then he's back up at the field at like one thirty. you know, and then he's practicing until five and then going and back to work at night, you know, phenomenal human being, great baseball guy. Um, and he handles all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think his mindset is just like, you know, again, the comfort level of our catchers. Um, and, you know, look, if, if it's working for a guy, like we're not going to, I'm not going to die on that Hill, whether I like believe it or, you know, it really, at this point, like I tell our guys, it's like, I'm, I don't have any more ABs or, you know, time in the field. So now if it becomes where a guy's on the knee and he's, botching balls or balls are getting passed and it's creating a negative effect on his performance in the game. Then like, we have to sit down and have a conversation, but if it's something that they want to work on and they feel comfortable and they're performing at a high level with it, I'm rolling with that every day of the week. You know, how cool is that for your guys to have a positive role model that's on the police force? Yeah. Yeah. It was good to have in the back of their head too. Cause he works <laughs> pretty Right. So it's a, it's a good, it's a double, it's a, it works in our favor. Right. But no, he's, all of our guys, I, I tell our parents this, and I, I need to give all these guys a plug, you know, just because, I mean, TJ Bartike, Pat Wernig, Tyler Rasmussen, Ross Cardwell, Ryan Piston, Grayson Bailey, Mike DeJager, Zach Hines. I tell our parents, staff. yeah, very fortunate, seriously. I mean, we're, and I, and I tell our parents this, we are, we are very fortunate to have the level of support in our community, the resources, the finances, like we, we are very fortunate, but by far the most thing that we should be that we should be fortunate for is the human capital in our program. And I say that, and I'll say it as much as I can, every podcast I get on, every time I get in front of our parents, like the human beings that are around our players every single day, like one, like they're trying to be the best baseball coaches they can possibly be. And it's their second full-time job for all of them, for all of us. But just on top of that, like they're just great people, like and the kids are going to walk out better because of just being around these types of people. Um, and like I said, I, I I'm fortunate enough to coach with these guys. I'm even more fortunate to call them like some of my best friends like they are. They're part of my family. Um, and I just you know, some of them, like I said, we've been some of these guys have been with me since Salem. Some of these guys I've played with when I was at Cox. Some of these guys were some of my one of one of them's one of my former players when I was the JV coach my first year. So he's seen me at my worst, you know. How to tell him that? <laughs> coming out of the COVID year, did you feel like you guys had a chance to win the state championship? I did. Yeah, did I you really, really did. I, yeah, because a couple of things is one in 2020, like we had a really really good team, and we were 
like we were poised that year to really make a run and you know when everything just like stopped you know it was just absolutely heartbreaking like i mean it was i mean it was hard i mean for everybody right i mean everybody has their but we had a really good team um and just to kind of backtrack right is like we so 2018 we take over uh, in 2017, the year before I got to Cox, like, they had a very good team. They lost in the state championship. So, like, they were very – they were very talented. 2018, I come in, and, you know, we just had some – again, you lose a lot of guys from losing in the state championship game. Like, there's this – and you're kind of changing some things here and there. Just struggled a little bit. And then 2019, you know, we, we basically said, look, if we want to be – if we want a chance to win a state championship, we got to start getting in the state playoffs more regularly. So, that's where we kind of started this push of, like, we want to be in the arena you know, every year, like we know we're probably not going to win it every year. It's very difficult to win a stage, but if you just keep knocking on that door, it's going to come down at some point. And so 2019, like we turned that corner and we get to the state quarterfinals and we lose, but we had a lot of like sophomores that were in the lineup that kind of fought their way in and a freshman named Ethan Anderson um, that, that fought his way in and 2020, you know, we have this experience, right. Coming back and we're, we're preparing. We're like, we're ready to make this push and just, done you know um and the good news for us i mean was that a lot of those guys that we didn't lose everybody that had experience right we lost some guys like we got ryan long who's playing at lynchburg who's who's a great player josh grows is a sunday starter for east carolina that we that was a 2020 grad that i mean he was aac pitcher of the week last week i mean he's phenomenal um we had some really grant Nell, we got some guys that didn't even play college baseball that were just like really good baseball players and really worked themselves to being ready to like compete at a high level so just like that taken away like it was a good combination of losing in the state quarterfinal getting something totally ripped out of your hands and then going this is it like and so it was kind of like this um i guess perfect storm in a sense you know um, who qualifies and those guys, for your playoffs that year was weird because they condensed our schedule. So like we went from a 20 game season to like a 12 game season. And it was like, it was, it was tough because it was like, you just like, there was no room. You can't lose. Like at that point, you can't. So we, we lost to our rival probably like the fifth or sixth game of the season. I mean, we lost, we imploded. I mean, it was horrible. And I remember this, like, I remember this clear as day our shortstop Kyle Edwards who plays at old dominion now, like I'm pulling into school and he's in my, like, he's like waiting at my parking spot. And I'm like, you know, what's going on Kyle? Like, and he's like, I got something to say, <laughs> like, okay. And he, I'm like, he's like, I got something to say to everybody, you know? And, and there was just a turning point, right? It was just like, these guys got in a room and they really realized um, it was a, it was a total focus shift, right? It was just like, their focus went from winning a state championship to being like, we want, look, we've had so much taken away from us over the last year and a half, two years, whatever. They're just like, our focus right now is trying to maximize our time together. So it wasn't even about, it's like, if we can win a state championship, that means we spent the most time together as possible. And like, we know that. And it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you heard the FAU coach last night after they lost in his press conference, it was almost identical. He's like, I'm not, we're not, hurt because we lost the chance to win a national championship like we're hurt right now because like we can't go watch film tonight yeah because every, every year's different every team's different like you you don't get that back once the season's done you just so you don't get any away. of that back it's it's over 
And so when those, like, that was the best thing that could have happened, right? Like those guys got in a room and they started to realize like, all right, it's about us like maximizing our time together as a group, because we'll never, like you said, we'll never have this group. We do alumni events. You're never going to have everybody back. Like it just never happens. Like it doesn't, I mean, you know that from coaching. I know that from coaching and they just like went on a absolute, you know, it's one of those things like you hear people say, and I, and they're it sounds, on a mission. I, and you just like step back and you're just like, they got it. And as a coach, you know, you just, really just try to get out of their way to be honest with you you know and it takes a special group as a coach for you to like really do that but i can tell you with like full like transparency like we had to go win three straight games in a regional and then we had to go play i mean never we had to go play a region we had to go play a state semifinal at somebody's home site because they were just they were on that side of the bracket so like there was no like you know there was kind of like you're just going to go play wherever the top person on the bracket is well guess what we were on the bottom of the bracket the whole time so we had to go to somebody we had to go to state semifinal play at their home site then get on a bus and go play a state final at somebody's home home field and like these guys it was just like it but it didn't even matter you know it's like nobody like everybody's just like well that's just the way it's gonna have to be then you know <laughs> like and so it was just a special group. I mean, those guys, obviously, when you have a special group like that, they hold a special place in your heart. Um, and, you know, it's just different. You know, we played in Richmond last night and like our two hole hitter who plays for Randolph Macon, right? Like his games got pushed to today and like he was at our game, you know, like drove over, you know, and just like that's what's different about that group, yep. you know? Well, yeah, when, you know, you try to tell your players that, like, the teams that win and win at a high level, they will hang out with each other once they're done. The, the losing teams, for some reason, they maybe don't get along with each other or whatever. They're just something off with those teams. They don't, they don't hang out with each other once they're done. It's just like that connective, you know, piece, right? It's just like, and we're talking about, it's kind of like that, just like championship DNA right? Like you can't put your finger on it, but when you see it, you know it. And you just, I don't know, you enjoy it. Right. Cause it's just like, it's special. What are you guys yeah. doing in the summer? So summertime, we do have some dead periods that we have to work around, right. With just like our state um, regulations and stuff like that. You know, we want our guys to go out and, you know, again, go get, go get your game reps. Right. Uh, we really try to provide opportunities for our kids during the week for skill sessions. So we just found that's just like the most effective way to do it, right? Of just like, we'll have, you know, we'll bring our infielders in maybe twice a week in the morning, right? And they'll be able to work with our coaches. We'll do, you know, we'll have some hitting groups going on. Maybe we found that Wednesdays are good days for guys to come in and throw pins because it's right in the middle of the week and it's prior to, you know, them going out and having to throw Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, that's so, awesome. You, you, know, you have them come in and throw pens. Cause I, I think that's yeah. what, what a lot of high school kids miss now in the summertime is they're playing so much. They don't get their side work in. Yeah. And that's that, I mean, it's kind of one of those things when, whenever we're looking at our calendar, right? Like we have our annual calendar and we'll sit down and we'll look at it and we'll just be like, okay, like what there's just times of year where we kind of move into a supplementation role. Right. And it's just the reality of it. Yeah. Like, and I think sometimes, I think coaches, sometimes they, sh some high school coaches struggle because it's like, you got to recognize, like, I might not see a guy for three weeks in the summer because, 
he's in Atlanta for a week and he's going to Hoover for a week and he's going, and like, that's fine. So, but I just have to realize like, how can I maximize like what we can offer with different schedules? Right. And again, the weight room is a huge piece too. Like we'll give kids opportunities. Like our guys are usually in the weight room in the June and July. We have two sessions a week just because the travel is usually so heavy. And in August, once that backs down, we go to three times a week prior to going into fall ball. That's usually kind of our, our, how we progress through that time. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now was one of the best things that happened to you? Uh, definitely. I mean, there's, there's definitely a couple, like, um, again, I think like my time at Salem, as we talked in the beginning, just like learning how to work through, um, some of those issues when I was a 23 year old, right. It's just like, I had a lack of, a lack of maturity, you know, that's just the reality of it. Um, I think getting back over to Cox in my first year and recognizing that, you know, yes, this, you know, I'm, I'm back where I want to be, have this vision, but it's going to be, um, it's going to be very, it's gonna be very difficult. It's still going to be a lot of work, right. It's going to be, it's, it's going to take time. And I think another moment that I, and I wanted to share this on here is, you know, just looking at kind of like the ABCA, like that's in a, in a way it's kind of been a fail forward moment for me. Cause like when I got involved with that and I started to like go to conventions and see, you start to recognize, man, there is a lot of really good coaches out there. And I think the big, and I, and I, I told myself this, Ryan, is like, I, <clears throat> if I ever got the opportunity to come on here, I wanted to say this. I'm glad I'm getting the opportunity to say this is like the difference between me and year one and year 10 now, right. Is in year one, I thought that I should be being asked to get on the ABCA podcast <laughs> in, in, in year 10. I'm like, dude, there's too many, there's so many other people that you could be bringing on besides me. But I think that just shows like, and I, and I really, I really, thank the ABCA for that because like if I wouldn't have gotten involved with that like I would probably still be caught some in that, in that mindset right and like I I don't know I was talking to my wife we all talk just, about it you know and, and all the events we run this like to a person that's involved it's like I have no idea where I would be without the ABCA and I'm not saying that because I work for the organization I was a m member way longer than being here in the office I just don't know where I'd be right now if it wasn't for the organization. Yeah, just the amount of relationships. And like, it, it's just like, for me, like when I go, it's just always such a humbling experience, right? Because like you see the level of, like the conversations, the level of coaches at all levels, right? And it's just like, there's so many guys out there that are doing incredible work and their programs for their players, for their communities, right? And it just, you come back and you're just like, it just, it makes you, it makes you appreciate, um, it makes you appreciate the work that you're doing for your kids, right? Because a lot of it's validating, right? Where you get to say, okay, I feel like we're moving some things, but also it's kind of like, hey, there's, there's some guys out there that are, that are doing just like a phenomenal job. And uh, you know, I, it like, makes you appreciate we... the coaching community as a whole. Like, again, you Absolutely. talk about buying into something bigger than yourself, I think it creates that mentality with all of us is that we're all buying into something bigger than ourselves. And it's about helping the game of baseball. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You said you're early so, morning riser. So do you have yeah. any set morning routines? I do. I do. I I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty routined in the morning. Um, one, I have a 15 month old, so, um, that's really challenged me. Right. 
um, to get up. I, I'm I'm a very early riser. Um, I actually most mornings I'm up at four, um, just because that's the time that I have to get up. I I do. Um, I have you know I. If you want to get into details, I, I do because I, do, I, I um, like it. Yeah. I always pick stuff yeah, so up. I, I t- that's why I listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast forever because yeah. I was picking up, I was picking up things, you know, inexpensive experience from what other people were doing. And there's a lot of trial and error to it, but I, I yeah. Tim Ferriss was like really the first podcast that I just bared down on because it was people from all walks of life that were really successful. But they all had, you know, Tools of Titans, a really good book. Tribe of Mentors, a really good book. If you just want to pick up some some bits and pieces of what people are doing, you have to still have to find what works for you. Yeah. But I, it, it just helps to to listen to whatever the people yeah. are doing. Absolutely. So I mean, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm always trying to tweak, and I think I think we talked about this when we were on that um other on the other call. You know, it's right. It's just like how to learn how to effectively lead yourself first before you can lead others. Um, and I think that's huge. And especially, you know, you know, my full-time job is being a special education teacher. And on top of that, I'm a baseball coach and then my husband and father of, you know, a 15 month old. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, especially now, you know, it's like, I really had to hone my focus. So, you know, 4am is, is my wake up. Um, you know, I, I, I go down and I have athletic greens. Um, that's something that I've, I've been using for a while that just kind of helps kind of nutritionally kind of kickstart my day. Um, I've, one of my things I started this year was journaling, you know, started that in the new year. And I tell people all the time, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I usually write a couple sentences on what's on my mind, but it, it has been a very good experience for me just to, you know, get my thoughts on paper. And I feel like it creates some mental clarity going into the day. Um, they call it pages. You know, I, I, That's what Brian Koppelmoner runs the moment who wrote, writes billions uh, okay. writes and directs billions and wrote rounders, but like, that's his big deal. It's funny. He told a funny story cause he writes every morning, but he's like, this is in my will. As soon as I die that they have to burn these, like nobody gets to read, <laughs> nobody gets to read these. So it's like, that's in his will that he's going to burn those journals get burned when he passes away. That's, that's good. Yeah. So that's been something that I've, I've added in this year, which has been good. And then, you know, I've just have found for me that like my morning time is when I'm the clearest. Right. So that's why I like waking up early. Like when I get home in the evening, I try to put my focus like on my son and, and my wife. And, and I, and I honestly, like, I just found my productivity in the evening. is just not very good, you know, and I, there'll be times where I'll have to do some stuff, but like, I prefer, you know, by that point after I'm done journaling and stuff, you know, it's, 4.30, 4.45. And, you know, basically gives me an hour of, of what I like to call my deep work time, you know, where I'm either working on something school related, special education wise, or I'm working on something baseball wise, where I'm planning and, and doing something like that. Um, so that's what kind of leads me. I train on Tuesday and Friday mornings um, in the school weight room. So that's kind of, I'm a, I get there before school and and train. So I lose some of my deep work time there on Tuesday and Fridays. And I do a mobility session at my house on Thursdays. Um, Where'd so you get your to, mobility session from? So my buddy at um, one of my, you know, the two coaches, they helped me out and I, they just program stuff on the, on the app for me. So it's usually something takes me 20, 30 minutes um, to kind of work through just, you know, from, it can be anything from, you know, our Coast sack squats to, you know, our 90-90 hips, which is to black burns, you know, it's, it's usually some very basic stuff, but I will say, you know, just again, getting the body moving in the morning, how it creates mental clarity um, for me, it has been huge. And um, so just, just trying to stay, you know, 
kind of one of those things with Jocko, right? It's just like discipline equals freedom, right? And my ability to stay disciplined in my routine, um, you know, allowed me to then be the best version of myself in all aspects of my life, you know? And I, you know, it's something that I preach to our players about, right? It's just like at the end of the day, like when, when things start to get out of whack, you know, when the spokes, when a spoke breaks off, uh, um, you know, the wheel starts to wobble and it's only a matter of time before it starts affecting other parts of your life. So, you know, there's days that you miss, but it's kind of like, you know, that mantra of like, don't miss two days in a row. Yeah, pull you know, yourself things back happen. on the path. Have the discipline to pull yourself back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, like I try to be very intentional about what my goals are each year, you know, and I just try to make sure that my actions are aligning to those goals. Um, Did you know and, special education was going to be your calling too? You know, I, I can be completely honest about this one. So when I was talking to my former head coach, Bill Conroy, who's been a tremendous mentor to me, he coached 16 years at Cox and coached me and I was able to take over for him. And I remember when I went to him, I was like, again, I had this conversation, I want to be a coach. I was like, so what do I need to do to do, you know, what do I need to do, you know? And he was just like, well, you know, um, he was just like, you know, if you want to get into teaching, it was a little different, you know, like when I was getting in, like I tell people now, I was like, you know, teach, if you want to become a teacher, you can become a teacher very easily now. But when I was going 10 years ago, right, it was tough. Like it was like, there wasn't a lot of teaching jobs open. And he was just like, man, if you'd be willing to do special education, he's like, you'll get a job right away. And that's all I needed to hear. I was like, okay, perfect. So when I was at Virginia Wesleyan, like in their education program, the only K to K through 12 cert they had was special education. So I was like, done. Like I want to be at the high school level. Um, but I can tell you what, man, it's, um, it has been, it has been a great profession for me. Like I tell people all the time, you know, I think it's me, it makes me a better coach, like every single day. Um, I am an inclusion teacher in algebra one. Um, I tell the kids all the time I've been in algebra one 10 years now. So I know the curriculum pretty well, I'm pretty good at it. So, but it's, it's been great. Like those, there's some phenomenal kids that I've been able to work with. Do you have any um, nonverbal students? No, I don't, I don't have any nonverbals. Um, I do have some that um, have some, some emotional stuff on the autistic spectrum that are on my caseload and stuff like that. Um, but it's, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, well, if I can effectively teach like these students, right. Then like, I, it's going to help me effectively teach how to properly field a ground ball or execute, you know, a rundown or whatever it may be. So um, fortunate work in a really good school, um, have really good support administratively. Um, so um, I'm happy with the, with the path that it's taken me. But again, I, I have to tell the truth on that when I was just like, okay, I want to be a coach and I want to get a teaching job. And this is what, this is the best way to do it. And, uh, but it's ended up working out being something that I've really enjoyed. Love it. So what are some final thoughts or something I should have asked you before I let you go? I'm about to go watch Caitlin Clark tear it up here for the national championship. <laughs> yeah. I hear Hawkeye, she is unreal. Yeah. That's yeah, that man. unreal. I love watching. I really unreal. enjoy watch, watching her play. No, I mean, I think just first, you know, thank thank you ryan and for the abca and you know those that have all come before you too that you know the organization that you've created helped create and that others have helped create i mean it just gives such a platform um for our coaches right and like i just challenge every coach out there to just get involved in some capacity you know with the organization because i think once you get a taste of it like i don't know what the uh i'd be i'd be very interested to see like 
how many people don't renew because I our I attention. This, this is good. This is something to be proud of, and like our our office is very proud of this. We are at seventy five percent retention, which is like impossible to get for any organization from a retention standpoint. Yeah, absolutely, and so that just speaks volumes to the product that you guys put out there, um, and, and you know, especially for like coaches, you know that our high school coach, like we, you know, you understand that like there's, there's always, there's budgets and stuff like that, but the amount of information that you guys put out there, that is for a very like small value, small cost, but a huge value yeah. is out there. So, you know, that, that's my thing. And, you know, there's, like I said, I, my assistant coaches, like I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better group of guys. And even those that have coached with me in the past that still aren't on staff, um, I want to thank all the players, obviously, that like have played, like have had the ability to coach. Like, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without the type of people and players that have been in our program. I want to thank our parents, our community. Um, I truly see that whole as a partnership, and you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to um, to, to lead our program. And um, it's another I, reason I to give back. I I do a, yeah. a random JMU sports management Zoom call. You're on there, so we meet yeah. through that, yeah. and that's why you give back to to different things because you're going to make connections doing that. So yeah, and just like I said, but like the last thing is like I, I truly mean like like what I told you, you know, a couple of minutes ago. It's just like, you know, in year one, like I thought I deserved to be on. a call with the ABCA in year 10 where I'm getting the opportunity like I feel like man there's a hundred other people that I could say go talk to this guy because he's freaking awesome you know and I think that speaks to what that organization can do for you as a coach and what that means is just like it it allows you to understand that there's that to be like to have longevity in this game like there's got to be a level of growth that you're willing to have on a daily basis a monthly basis a yearly basis and if you do that like you'll stay in this game and it'll be a great experience for you. But if you don't do that, like it's, it's not going to be the experience that it could be. Yeah. Maddie, I appreciate it, man. This is awesome. So yeah. Good luck the rest yeah, of the thanks. way out. Hit me up if you need something. Thanks so much, Ryan. I appreciate you. I appreciate coach Hittner taking time out of his schedule to record with me. He's a wealth of information. I always love talking to him on leadership. I wish him and the Cox program a great rest of the year. Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt Weston, ABC Office, for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at coachb underscore abca, or direct message me via my, my ABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Singing, baby, you set me free.